for this. What is nothing? Yeah, that's D. What in the fuck are we doing here? That's deep, bro. That's deep, bro. I'm your host, Christina Pajitsky. Hope you had a great Halloween or hollow jeans, as it's uh, supposed to be called in the industry. Uh, very exciting show for you today. I traveled. I had some pretty deep fucking uh, bro revelations. I'm really excited to share with you. Uh, I don't know. I debated whether or not to... Uh, to to share because sometimes it gets embarrassing. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's a weird um, it's a weird thing to share your your life with people with strangers with you. You're not a stranger. You've downloaded this show, so you you're interested. You're vested, invested, right? All right, let's get the fuck out. Let's get the fuck on. Okay, here we go. Let's open this. I fucking love the song. It's by. Um, Sonic Youth, they did a side project called Chicone Youth, which, hold on, get into the groove, that's the song, which I think they just hated Madonna, let's be honest, in the 80s, Madonna was the biggest, brightest thing in existence, and I think uh, Sonic Youth was maybe a little gels, um, and they did some side project where they did Madonna covers and like, you know. Hor- horrible pop song covers, but I actually really like this song. And for some reason over the years, I've just enjoyed, uh, listening to it. It's off. Um, I think the album's called Sc- screaming fields of sonic love. Anyway, let's play it. I like it. Fuck it. Okay, 
actually a really good Madonna song. Yeah, see? It's a dope song. I remember um, in that movie, Desperately Seeking Susan, that first of all, the girl who was trying to be, it was Rosanna Arquette. She was uh, pretending to be Madonna, and she was like the worst Madonna wannabe in the world. Like, what? You guys couldn't put together a better Madonna wannabe. I saw better Madonna likes in like my sixth grade class than Roseanne Arquette was trying to be. It was so funny. Like, you could put some more effort into it. And um, I don't know. I absolutely love that movie. I think if you are a child of the 80s, you grew up watching Desperately Seeking Susan because you desperately wanted to be Madonna because she was a fucking dopest, like... I mean, she... I don't know, dude. She blew She blew everybody's mind. I mean, this bitch was singing about being a, like a virgin... Nobody even knew what that word meant when you were a kid. And, um, you know, she was from the street culture. Madonna was a grungy club girl. And she just, you know, pilfered what kids were doing on the street and made it massively successful. And uh, I love that song. I love the, I like Get Into the Groove, actually, the original one. That's probably my favorite Madonna song. So fucking cool. So there you go. There you go. What a a crazy uh, week I've had, you guys. First of all, uh, I'm seeing a personal trainer to get into shape for the first time in my life. I'm 40 years old. <laughs> what better time to get into shape when you're 40 and uh, shit's starting to fall apart? This is <laughs> the least favorable time in probably my development. But you know what? Better late than never. And I, I'm just sick of feeling gross in my jeans. I, it's so important to me to wear my jeans tight and when my gut hangs over them, like my guts hung over my, my guts, my gut has hung over or hanged over, hung over my pants now for like the last 10 years, I'd say. And, uh, it just feels like shit every day. I'm like, God, uh, fuck, I feel like shit. And then I do nothing about it. I do absolutely nothing about it. Um, or I do like a half-ass effort where for a week I'll start going on you know, moderate walks or maybe I'll start eating. I'll clean up the eating a little bit and then I'll break down and, and, um, and eat an entire, uh, frozen pizza to myself. So, uh, I'm dedicated. I'm disciplined. I'm on the primal diet guys. That just means you eat, you don't eat carbs or sugar. <laughs> So I'm naturally, I'm extremely angry all the time. Uh, this is new. It's only like three or four days that I've been doing this crap. Uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, I'm hoping all the anger and sadness will pay off in the form of me looking better and feeling better. I'm sure it will. So I'm on this kick of like uh, being healthy and being, you know, fucking positive energy, right? And so I go to Indianapolis this week in Cincy. Sorry, this is like last week now by the time this airs. And um, I'm in the airport and I I decide to get myself a nice healthy breakfast sandwich, like not just a pre-made, you know, disgusting fucking congealed thing, but like a, I'm going to go to Wolfgang Puck. I'm going to treat myself right like a lady. And I'm going to pay fucking $10 for a breakfast sandwich that's fresh. Why not? I deserve it. And I'm standing in line, and uh, I oh I, I see in my periphery uh, like hillbillies, just hillbillies, dude. Like 
like a woman with bad hair, bad skin, and um, sparse in the teeth department. Maybe a t-shirt with some kind of aggressive slogan about Mondays on it. You know, take take Mondays, shake it in your ass, or, uh, you know, one of those angry Trumpish supporty types. And I I overhear her having a conversation with her companion who also is wearing some sort of aggressive sloganed t-shirt and a ponytail and um they're they're talking shit on my city. You know, I can hear them being like, Well, is this fucking typical lele? Because they're they're waiting for a sandwich, as am I, and, and we're all waiting because because when you go to like a, a fancier place like a Wolfgang Puck, you order food and it takes time to be prepared. It's not like McDonald's where it's just sitting under the heat lamp and somebody grabs it and throws it at you. Like, no, someone's actually has to take the time to crack an egg, uh, let it cook, and lovingly place it on a piece of bread that's been toasted and mayonnaise properly and... Um, you know, is the right temperature and this and that. So it takes time. And I understood this. So I'm sitting there patient, trying to be patient, obviously. And I hear these two hillbillies shitting on LA, just like, well, I mean, you can't, <laughs> this David go got away for a boot. And, um, you know, I, I judge people, of course, uh, in my head, I'm thinking you fucking retarded fucking piece of shit. Hillbilly. I mean, if you love it so much where you're from, why don't you get back on the fucking plane and head back to wherever it is in the Melungeon Hills that you guys are from? Because I can't fucking listen to you. And I'm thinking all this hateful stuff on them, you know, and um, and then I had this epiphany. And uh, I was like, oh, oh, these people are, um, well, they're, well, they're dumb. They're just dumber people in the world. Now, I don't say that to make myself be smarter, sound smarter. Uh, there are people that are much smarter than me, much more accomplished, better looking, fitter, all of the above better than me. But I'm just saying, in the hierarchy of human existence, these folks were not high achievers. That's fine. They don't need to be. Not everybody has to be. Uh, not everybody has to have a, a, a mouthful of nice teeth, um, take care of themselves, or appreciate a freshly made sandwich. But the revelation that I had, and, and this is the, the part that, that I really, that started my, my, my weekend odyssey, is that people have limitations. And I think people, I've heard that before, like, oh, you know, there's just, everyone's got their limitations, but you don't really, I didn't rather, I should say, really understand that until I was listening to these two hillbillies. Because I, I think in the back of my mind, I always had this codependent sort of notion, and I blame my liberal education on this. I studied at a Jesuit college and I studied philosophy, as you guys know, and, and part of the nonsense of philosophy, the, the bad part is that they lead you to believe ideas that are maybe not factually accurate, maybe not in reality accurate. For instance, um, the idea of the Enlightenment being that you can educate people and 
like the, the reason that people act poorly, right, is because they simply are not um, aware. And the naive idea that if you just educate people, if you give them the knowledge, then they will transform into intelligent, rational beings. That was the part of the Enlightenment period in, uh, in our history as humans, is that if you educate, you can change the world. And, uh, you know, and to some extent, yeah, for sure, people that are capable of reading and, and comprehending and, and growing. Yeah, totally. But then there's just a category of folks that it's not gonna, it, you ain't gonna teach shit to. They're just gonna be a part of society that needs to be cared for, looked after, whatever. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Uh, yeah, so follow that train of thought with me now as I get on the plane and I, as much as I love, love the Midwest, I love Indianapolis and I love Cincinnati. I think these are like, I just love, I love Chicago. I love all these places. There does tend to be, um, an inclination to be a little heavier. And as somebody now who like, I've always hated my body and I get it. Uh, but now that I'm embarking on this like positive thing, <laughs> um, I kind of see it differently. Like when people are grossly overweight and are not even that just like neglectful of their general exterior being, you go, Oh, that, that's cause they don't give a fuck about themselves. You know, like you, I see it now more in an empathetic way. I don't have disdain for them, but in a way of like, oh, you don't care. You don't care because you don't love yourself enough to go enough is enough. You know, enough is enough. I I will not be diabetic or I will not be, I I don't want to look bad anymore. Enough is enough. I'm going to, I'm going to reverse this. And they don't care and they, they get sick and they die early and it sucks because they're not capable, right? Some people are just not capable. So follow that thought. I rent a car and I drive from Indy to Cincinnati and I'm listening to Paul Gilmartin, his podcast, The Mental Illness Happy Hour, which you guys, if you're not listening to that, you better get your entire life because uh, that podcast is, if if you're into this show, I think you'll definitely love Paul Gilmartin's mental illness, happy hour. It's about, well, just that, like mental illness, addiction, um, depression, anxiety, and like real people, excuse me, come on. And they talk about their lives. And there's like these wonderful anonymous surveys that he has on his website. If you go to, I think it's mentalpod.com, but just Google mental illness, happy hour. And there's a, the website has all these anonymous surveys and you can see what other people think and feel but they're too afraid to publicly share. But what it, it just makes you feel really less alone in the world to read these surveys. It's really fantastic. So I download um, an episode that is uh, titled My Mom Has BPD, which is what my mother had. My mother 
uh, was borderline personality disorder. And uh, this girl, she's so great. Let me find um, the episode, man. She just killed me. You know when you listen to a podcast and you're like, what, dude? Did this Was this recorded just for me? <laughs> or like, I can't believe this chick was saying everything. Okay, no, no, no. Don't tell me I fucking, I, I must have erased it. Um, let me find it. Press pause. Pause. Okay, I found it. Uh, episode 291, Sarah Halfrecht. Halfrecht, that's a very German name. My mom has BPD, released August 19th. So I'm, uh, this girl, Sarah, wrote an article that was published in some wonderful, fancy, I can't remember where, but fantastic publication. It was an essay about her mom, who was a borderline. And you know when you listen to someone else's experience of something and, and you're like, dude what the fuck? Like we, uh, I got to meet this person. <laughs> I feel like they're living in a similar universe. And, um, well, that's really because, you know, we're humans and we, we all inhabit the same world. And as far as mental illnesses go, there's a, a, a there's textbook versions of people. And her mom, uh, was very similar. It sounds like to what my mom was like. And it was so, it was like, I'm driving, to uh, Cincinnati and I'm just listening to this episode and I'm just crying in my car like oh my god this girl because her story you know my mom's story was pretty tragic and her mother's story was tragic her mother ended up committing suicide a year ago by throwing herself in front of a train which is unfortunately sometimes borderlines if they don't get help uh, it can escalate to that Uh, my mother did not commit suicide but was very very ill at the end of her life and physically ill, emotionally ill, all yes, all of the above ill, um, but died of congestive heart failure at the end due to like you know cancer treatments and all this stuff. But uh, listening to this girl's story, I just I was able to see my own experience of my mother and my life from the outside in. You know, does that make sense when you objectively can kind of see what happened and. A uh, bizarre thing happened is that like she, she, this girl in this podcast, talked about the good things about her mom, and I really, for many years, had a hard time finding the good in my mother. Uh, and I think anybody, if you've grown up with a mentally ill or addicted parent, uh, or just parent that sucked, <laughs> or maybe abused, was abusive towards you, um, you have a really hard time a remembering a lot of stuff with about them like you just don't remember a lot of stuff from your childhood and and b you don't have a lot of good memories and um for me i was super angry at my mom for so many years angry at her uh because i think in some way you think that that person should take responsibility for who they are and what they're doing to you specifically but you know, you think like, why, why can't, uh, I mean, as I thought many times, like, why, why can't she just straighten it up? Why can't my mom just go see a shrink? Like, why can't she just be normal? Why can't she just fucking, you know, stop being an asshole and criticizing me all the time? And why, why can't she just be like a BTA mom and, you know, God damn it, just bake some fucking brownies for the school 
baking festival or the whatever bake sale, you know, because I had come home from school and be like, oh, we have to bring cookies into class the next day. And my mom would be like, well, who gives a fuck? You know, we go to the store and buy like ready-made cookies. And I I'd always remember thinking like, God, just once, could you just fucking be normal just once? Um, and my mother was very prone to, you know, irrational anger and I, you know, criticism. I, if I came, I, one time I came home with straight A's and I had one B and I, you know, I got a talking to for the B, like that kind of stuff. You're, they're never borderlines. Now, first of all, borderline personality disorder can be treated, can be mitigated. You can take care of it. If you, if you're listening and you have it, it's not a, it's not a death sentence. It doesn't mean that your kids are going to hate you. It just means that you need to get into treatment and deal with it. Now, my mother never got into treatment, never dealt with it. So it escalated got worse and eventually she became uh, very paranoid and schizophrenic at the end of her life. So, but like I said, can be treated. Um, but she just didn't, you know, this was like in the nineties, she didn't really, there was no dialogue about stuff like this. We didn't know what, what she was. Nobody knew. We just all thought she was eccentric, right? <laughs> like, well, my mom's just crazy. She's just a little eccentric and a whole, just kind of a wacky foreign mom. Just that's my crazy mom. Um, so yeah, many years I would I want her to be different, and I wished upon a star that I would be uh, adopted, rescued. That that uh, like in the Harry Potter movies where the invitation to Hogwarts would show up, and at some point I would go, I knew it, I fucking knew it, I just knew it, I knew I was a witch. And that I didn't belong to this family. <laughs> I'm going to be whisked away to Hogwarts School of Magic, Wizardry, whatever, and I will just get out of this uh, reality. Because the, I mean, look, the hard part of growing up with a, a mentally ill parent or an addicted parent or like an abusive thing is that, especially like I was an only child, so my reality was the reality of my mom because there was nobody else around. So it was me and her her and I, and her reality was my reality, and her reality was not so good. (laughs) So I grew up with a lot of really weird ideas about stuff that I thought everybody else had and shared, you know? And, And I think it's the same when you grow up in an alcoholic house, from what I understand is you keep secrets. You don't um, talk about what goes on at home because you you kind of know on some level that it's wrong and that you might get in trouble or they your parents might get in trouble. You might get taken away. You might get, you know, uh, your what, what you know is better than what you don't as a kid, meaning the, the fear of the unknown is uh, scarier than the familiarity of just a shitty situation. So... Uh, I'm trying to think of some examples. My mother, um, there was always an imminent threat. Like everything was out to get you all the time. <laughs> there, there was never a sense of security in my house. I think that was one of the, the big ones. Everyone's out to get her. Um, gosh, so weird. She had this thing where, uh, she believed that you, this is like, there's like little stuff. Like you, you could not put lotion on your palms because of the sweat glands, you could only put the lotion on the back of your hands. So whenever my mom saw me putting on lotion and, you know, and I would do it like a normal person, just <laughs> slather it on. I would, I would get a chastising for how I was putting on hand lotion. 
stuff like that. Um, my mother was insistent that at night you had to sleep without underwear because, because you have to let your vagina breathe. Um, and essentially if you slept with underwear, your vagina was suffocating, um, in, in night. So letting your vagina breathe was very important, very important. And, um, also, vaginal cleanliness, very important. Men don't like women with stinky pussy. Like, that's the kind of shit she would say to me. Like, oh my God, what? Wait, what's going on? Um, so the point of all this being is that as I'm listening to this girl talk about her mom and her mother dies and, you know, she felt the same. I think we everybody that has a mentally ill parent, you kind of... There's a there's a little bit of a relief to when the the parent dies and uh, it sucks to admit it yeah yeah but hey it's the fucking truth um, you're relieved because their suffering is over and your suffering is over and it's the end of the um, the worrying about when you're gonna get the phone call that they're dead because I was waiting for that call for about eight years of like when uh, when when am I gonna get that call that <laughs> she's you know commit suicide or whatever has happened. And so when you do get the call, this is what this girl Sarah was saying too, which I totally related to is that you, there is a sense of relief of like, okay, well that was it. That was the worst possible thing that could happen. And it happened. And now we're just going to get on with life and deal with the aftermath. And, um, but also too, my mother, my mother's interaction with me in the last eight years of her life, I did not speak to her because she decided not to speak with me. She was convinced that, um, uh, my husband, she'd heard voices telling her that my husband was out to get her and that, um, uh, she just didn't want to talk to me. <laughs> I don't know. She kicked me out of her house. So, and also the paranoia, she wasn't able to, like, she didn't want to email people. She eventually wouldn't email. Um, she would send like old school letters to me in the mail and then that broke down. She wouldn't do that. Um, so one wonderful thing this girl Sarah said in her podcast is that she learned to appreciate the good things that her mom um, did and the good things that her mom, the good things then and the positive aspects of her mom's personality. Because with me, I struggle. Honestly, like I struggled for so many years to find the good in my mom because, you know, there's so much pain there. There's so many expectations there that are never met as a kid, as an, even as an adult, you're like, Jesus, fuck, just fucking be normal. You know, there's like so many holidays ruined and so many opportunities for joy that were just taken, taken from the whole family because of shit that my mom would pull. Um, but, but, uh, it was weird because I did have this epiphany starting with the hillbillies that people are limited and I I think uh, realizing that my mom was severely limited, you know, and mentally ill and that all those wacky things, all the bad stuff was the illness talking and not her. And that's a huge distinction and a huge thing for me because you're like, oh, that, wait a minute, that wasn't, that wasn't my mom. That was like an illness. That was a hole in her brain, really. Uh, when she would curse at waitresses and um, call them gooks or start fights in 
parking lots over parking spaces or throw plates of food or, you know, whatever wacky stuff was an illness talking. Um, but I think if you grow up with somebody, like I said, when you're a child, you, it's hard to make that distinction because you grow up with a parent who's wacky and you just assume like, Oh, that, but sometimes they're lucid, right? Like alcoholic parents or mentally ill parents or abusive, like some, there's moments of, uh, of somewhat normalcy and, and you go, well, wait a minute, I'm so confused. What about, what about that time that, you know, she wrote me that card and whatever showed up with a cake and was normal for my birthday. What about, what about that time? Cause they can kind of fake it. Like my mom could kind of hold it together for a minute and then, you know, not really. So that's why it's confusing. And, um, if you're listening to this and you've got a problematic parent, friend, relative who struggles with this crap, I don't know. That thought kind of helped me is the realization that people are truly limited and it's not their fault. It doesn't make them better or worse on the spectrum of whatever human existence, but it does make your life a lot easier if you accept where they're at, um, versus trying to change it, trying to, you know, work around it, live with God, you know, now that being said, if she were alive today, we, you can't have a relationship with, uh, with, we, I couldn't have a relationship with her. And I know sometimes people go, you know, Christina, I have a mentally ill mom too. And, um, you know, I, I, we don't speak right now. And I remember you saying you didn't talk to her for eight years before she died. And yes, but I, I'm not saying that as a cautionary tale of, go run to your mother, father, whoever, and allow them to abuse you. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not licensed to hang out with a person who's shitty to you. I I don't say that stuff. I say we didn't speak for eight years because uh, she, like I said, uh, was very paranoid and very sick and didn't want me in her life. And I didn't want to be in her life either. And it was a real necessary part of me getting healthier is to separate from her, was to separate from her and, and do the work of like going to therapy and figuring out what the fuck happened to me. So I don't say that stuff as a cautionary tale of you're going to miss them because <laughs> you're probably not. <laughs> if they're terrible to you, um, you're probably not going to miss that person in your life. I don't know why they... I think the problem is that honor thy mother and father commandment in the Bible that so many of us were raised believing. And, you know, I, I, I think it's honor thy mother and father if they're not shitty to you and abusive to you. Uh, but honoring might mean making sure that they're not homeless. You know, my mother was thankfully financially uh, together, so she, she was cared for. There were workers that worked with her. You know, she had a team of people who looked in on her, so I knew she was okay. But uh, but I wasn't going to let her abuse me and yell at me. That's terrible. So fucking terrible. Um, but yeah, limitations. And also being able to fully understand those limitations and then be able to appreciate the good stuff in her. Because there was a lot of good stuff. And that's the hard part when you're so angry with somebody. You can't go like, yeah, but it wasn't their fault. Like she was, she was sick. Um, and my mother was a really really funny person, um, sometimes unintentionally, but really, uh, big personality really had a flair about her. You know, she, um, loved clothing and, uh, I inherited many a garish 
uh, sequin top. I inherited a couple of furs that I <laughs> I wore once to get frozen yogurt um, like a year ago as a joke, obviously. Um, you know, she was big. She was a big personality, and I owe some of who I am to that because, you know, hey, who's in show business and who kind of uh, took a little page out of that book? And, um, and she had a, she had actually a pretty good analytical mind as, as warped as it was later. She really knew how to break stuff down and, and, uh, and, uh, deal with surviving. She was a survivor. She grew up in communist Hungary and had a horrible childhood. Um, you know, her mother died when she was 12 and she was orphaned. Her own father wouldn't adopt her cause he was an alcoholic. Like it's just fucking nightmare story, dude. So she was a survivor. And, uh, I think, I think if you're, I think part of accepting her has made it easier to accept me, if that makes sense. Cause if you hate your parent, you're kind of hating a part of yourself cause they're, they're half you, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, so making peace with my mom has helped me make peace with myself. Uh, yeah. So there's my big epiphany, very big epiphany, actually very, very big for me. Um, which I think kind of correlates to starting this physical fitness crap too, you know, cause I really ignored my body for 40 years. I was just this Cartesian brain in a jar, um, for so long. And I smoked for 17 years. I just abused the fuck out of my body and didn't think to, to actually take care of it. Cause you know, they serve you for, it's not, life ain't that long guys. It's really not. Once you, once you, you know, it goes by so fast. It goes by so fast. So, but I want to be in it for the long haul, man. I don't want to, I don't want to be sick at 50 and like feeble and ugh, like you, you ever go to the pharmacy, you see that pharmacy line? Like I was just there today and like, just to see these old people hunched over like, well, I got it for $20 over at riding line. It's so expensive. <laughs> like, Oh my God, please. Fucking put a bullet in my mouth if this is how I will be. Jesus Christ. Like, hold it together, man. Get your life. Stop stop being so fucked up. Right? Just do... You should have taken better care of yourself. Okay? You want to know why you're all fucked up? You want to know who works out twice a day? Uh, Dan Pena. Yeah. Sleeps four hours... A night works out twice a day. Yeah, Dan Pena, my hero. So, uh, Paul Gilmartin's podcast, check that out. Oh, and also, uh, you know, I had this other thought about this whole thing with my mom. Is that um, when you heal your childhood crap, this kind of weird thing happens. You realize how you've been a child in other facets of your life. Right, what does that mean? That means that you view other people around you as kind of surrogate mommies and daddies. For instance, let's say you grow up with a shitty abusive parent, right? And then guess what? If you haven't dealt with that stuff and if you, you're still kind of a child mind about that, you know, you're still living in your past because you haven't dealt with it in, in therapy, you'll attract a, an abusive boss or maybe not the boss. Maybe it's the lover, or maybe it's the friend. Like, why? Why is this? Why do I attract um, a certain type of friend every 
every so often that, you know, that I'm not comfortable with, that doesn't feel good. Well, it's because you're still kind of living out of the child, the, the, the child that's reacting to whatever. And you're, you're, you're looking, you haven't, you haven't dealt with that personality issue, right? That type of, so it keeps coming up and keeps coming up. And there's something really important about being an adult, and I know in this this era, it's like uh, it's a delayed adulthood now. I, I was, excuse me, totally a product of the '90s slacker generation, where you know we we uh, you know wanted to be slackers. We took our time getting married, having kids. We weren't in a hurry to make the same mistakes our parents did. So we delayed a lot of adulthood. And um, but the thing is there is something really meaningful about adulthood, about having the kid, about getting married, about, you know, doing these things that everyone does. And you're like, eh, what's the fucking point? There's something meaningful in it. And I'm not saying that you can't have a full adult life if you don't do these things. That's not the point. The point is those things force you to take responsibility, right? When you have a kid, you're responsible now more than ever to another human. So that means you got to fucking clean your act up. I mean, you've heard people say things like having a kid saved my life. Why? Because usually those people are on a bad path, right? And and you have a kid and now you, you got to clean it up. There's no more going out till two in the morning, getting ripped and sleeping until noon the next day to recover. Uh, there's no more, Hey, I'm not gonna, I don't care if I paid the light bill. <laughs> you have to pay the light bill. Um, and there's something really good about adult responsibility and, and being an adult because it means that, uh, well, you don't let people fuck with you anymore. You don't let people take advantage of you anymore. And you assume responsibility for your bullshit, for you, for your family. And, uh, you do what you gotta do. And, it's really good. It's really good. I, I don't know how else to say that, but it is. It's really good because you stop being at the mercy of other people's bullshit. You know, you stop getting um, pushed around by other people's stuff. And because once you become a full adult, once you realize your responsibility, you realize your power, right? Because nobody gives you power. You just take your fucking power. You take it. Nobody's going to tell you, hey, you deserve to be a successful skinny and have great sex. No, you have to assume that shit in your own life, right? Like it, it isn't fucking, nothing's handed to you. You have to do it yourself. There's no one's going to rescue you from this. Um, anyway, I just love the idea of being an adult and, and, and showing up and um, not letting other people fuck with you. Yeah. Okay. Oh, also, I wanted to uh, elaborate. I think we talked about pets dying. We, me, I talked about pets dying on the last episode. And I wanted to add an addendum to the discussion on pets uh, about FIFO, my beloved first child, Fief. And we rescued him from a kill shelter in Downey about, I don't know, three, four years ago now. And I don't know if I expressed this on that last episode, but I wanted to, is that I think the reason we get so bummed when we lose the pet too is because, at least for me, 
you know, I was so closed off to, to loving anything. I really was uh, really alienated. I mean, yes, I was with my husband and that's obviously very close relationship, but I, I think I was really closed off. And Fief was the first, first living bank that I really, that opened me up in a, in a really new way. And I think that's why animals are so therapeutic and amazing for those of us that struggle with actual real relationships. Sometimes, um, an animal is like, he was the first, Fief was the first being to kind of chip away at the, the stuff that I had from, from my upbringing or whatever, and really opened me up and made me softer and, and warmer and cuddlier and, and I think that's why when you lose them, it's so horrible because they, they are so, they're vulnerable and they're, and they open you up and they, you know, that, that corny saying like of a rescue animal, did you rescue the animal or did they rescue you? <laughs> like it's corny, but there is something to it. And I know that therapists sometimes recommend people get animals if they can't have relationships with people because it's kind of a nice gateway drug to being able to have relationships with, uh, with real people. So, okay. I'm going to take an email here. I, uh, hold on. Oh, so I've been getting a lot of emails from you guys about dating and relationships and what do I do and heartache and, um, girl problems. Actually, it's a lot of guys writing in about girl problems and, uh, and, um, you know, it's funny cause it, it, I'll tell you, I'll say one thing. Cause I, I know so, sometimes when you're in it, you're just like, ah, oh, you know, I, we got this situation and the, it, he's this way and I'm that one. And then, you know, we tend to analyze, overanalyze every minutia of the relationship, go back and forth and dissect and figure out and da, 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 it's bad. Get out. <laughs> if it feels shitty, it probably is shitty. If you feel depleted, drained, unhappy, angry around this person that you're supposed to have love for unconditionally, probably not a good situation. And I also, I don't think relationships should be so complicated. And I, I know that there's many Taylor Swift songs uh, to the contrary and Avril Lavigne songs, but um, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm a real, I like to keep shit real simple because I got enough complicated growing up. And I, I really, I really believe in, in uh, ease, ease when it comes to relationships. Easy peasy, man. Does it feel good? Do you feel good when you're with that person? Are they um, free of addictions, free of anger problems? Are they pretty healthy, functional? What's the credit like? All these things, um, you know, kind of need to check out because if I'll tell you why, I mean, specifically if people are unhealthy in one area of their life, it tends to carry over into uh, other regions. There's no such thing as like, well, I've got this one area perfectly checked out and then, you know, everything, there's one other thing that's not, no, it it tends to kind of all bleed. So they're healthy. 
you're somewhat healthy, <laughs> great. Um, and I will say also that I, uh, this is just my thing. This doesn't have to be your thing, but I worked for a guy, um, at Deke Entertainment, which no longer exists. I won't, I shouldn't say the guy's name, but I, I worked for this wonderful man who ran, who was pretty high up in the company. There's actually quite a, two, two wonderful men that I worked for, for years. And these two guys were like my surrogate father figure in my twenties. They more or less like re-raised me to be an adult. And uh, I think they recognized that I was a messed up 20 year old girl when they met me and, but I was talented at certain things and they took me under their wings, these two guys. And, uh, they were, they were adults. They were like 50 year old married guys with daughters. And again, I, I think they saw something like they wanted to help me out. I, I think so. I don't know. They're good dudes. So the point is, one, both of these guys were married, like I said, happily. And but one of them, I really remember emulating his relationship with his wife. Um, the two of them had been married for like a bajillion years. They had kids together. Oh, I love getting emails in the middle of a thought. Is there? Do you think there'll be a time where I ever know to close my fucking email before I start the show? Okay, so uh, what I loved about this man. Um, and his wife is that they were totally in love. And after like 20 years and three kids or whatever they had, they really enjoyed each other. And I remember asking him so many questions. Like I would sit down with this guy. First of all, this guy was a huge inspiration to me because he, A, was dyslexic growing up. And this is before an era where everybody, you know, had counseling and therapy and whatever. Like this is back when if you had dyslexia, they just wrote you off as, you know, well, that guy's retarded and, you know, you're not going to do shit with your life. There was no such thing as like special ed or whatever the, whatever special courses you could take to help correct the problem. So this guy fails out of school or stops going to school around 13, grew up in New York city, starts taking odd jobs as a like a teenager to make some money to help his family out and discovers along the way that he can draw. Drawing's great for somebody with dyslexia, right? Because you don't have to uh, write words. You can do pictures. And so he got a job at a major animation studio when he was a very young man and then ended up becoming really like the second in charge of this uh, animation company, Deke, that I worked for. Like I said, no longer exists. And I absolutely loved his story. And he grew up really hard knocks. His you know family was fakakta too. He grew up with like, just everyone's in prison and <laughs> his uncle was a pedophile and his, you know, dad's a drunk and an abuser and hit them and all this. And I, I remember just being like, Oh wow. Like there are adults who grew up with so much stuff who can be successful and can have good marriages. And he loved his wife and they're still together. And like I said, they had common interests. They they lived weights together, which is adorable. They would take vacations, the two of them, romantic getaways away from the kids for however long, you know, on their anniversaries. And um, they're very close. They're very close. Like there was constant interaction, phone calls. What are the kids doing? What are you doing throughout the day? Like I'd be sitting at his desk, you know, r- pitching an idea or something. And his wife would call in and our meeting would stop because she was calling. And he would talk to her and 
what is what's going on with so and so? What's that? What's the kid doing? And blah blah blah. And I just remember thinking, like, oh, okay, that's that's what I want. This is what I want. I want the the marriage that is you know twenty years deep, and we're so crazy for each other that we have common interests, and we are crazy about our kids, and we're crazy about each other, and like it exists. It's not just in sitcoms. It's not just in fairy tales. Like people like that really do exist. And um, I just know, man, that I set my tuner for that, you know? And I think what you set your tuner for is real important. Because if you don't set your tuner, then you're not going to pick up the right frequencies. You're going to pick up douchebags, scumbags. I'm telling you, like as I was dating... I think someone asked me about what what would you do now dating in this era. I'll tell you, I don't know what the fuck I would do dating in this era uh, because with uh, with the whole thing of like social media and swiping right and left on people and like, yes, I'll fuck you. No, I won't fuck you. It's really inhumane to me and seems really gross. And I think I just don't get it. I really don't. Um, I think it's really dehumanizing quite honestly. And, you know, <laughs> okay. Uh, but I didn't like dating either. Wasn't good at it. Uh, in my twenties did not enjoy it. I think I was always meant to be monogamous. I think I always enjoyed just being with one person and I was so lucky and really lucky that I had such great boyfriends, uh, my whole life. I was very lucky in love. So you know, there's a couple of turds in the mix, but overall I, my major ones were fantastic and I still have good relationships with, um, you know, was one of, well, one of them, my first boyfriend, adorable. So, but again, I, I think it's something that like, you got to set the dial for man, set the tuner and you're, you're going to find your counterpart. You're going to find the other person who wants that, you know, the 20 years, the, common interests, the appreciating each other and enjoying each other. But, uh, again, the template's got to be there. Otherwise you're never going to find it. I think same in career, same in everything. You got to set the, the tuner for what you want. And then you go forward from that template, man. Otherwise you just fucking, you know, blowing in the breeze that goes this way. You go this way. It goes that way. You go that way. No, 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 no. I remember if I met a douchebag in in my twenties, like I'd smell him. Oh, it's a douchebag. Next. On to the next. On to the next. On to the next. Until I smelled Tom. And I was like, oh, this guy smells good. This is normal. <laughs> Wait a minute. This guy doesn't smell like a junkie or a, an alcoholic. Wait a minute. Is he gainfully employed? Is that a decent credit score? <laughs> Is that ambition? Oh, yeah. All that all that smells good. Is this person moral? That's a big deal. I mean, look, and here's the other truth of it. People show you who they are. If you pay attention, you just got to fucking look. And it, in the beginning, when you're blinded by love, I know it's easy that you don't see all the stuff, but they tell you, especially guys. Guys aren't that crafty, believe me. That's why they're beautiful. <laughs> women are crafty guys are just out there they'll show you all their cards which is good all right i gotta go i gotta get my dogs from the groomers these poor dogs are so dirty poor bitsy you can't she can't even see outside of her fur right now so i had to take them in 
And then uh, I'm going to go pick them up. And then I'm going to hang out with the kiddo. And we're going to do Halloween. By the time this drops, Halloween will have passed. But um, we're going to do some pumpkin carving. And I fucking love it. I love all of it. We're going to watch a scary movie. Oh, big excitement when you're 40 and uh, <laughs> 40 and married with kids. It's so funny, but I don't care. I love it. I just love it. You know what I love? I love going to bed at 930. Oh, there's nothing better than that. It's the joy of my life. Going to bed early and uh, watching some some show on uh, Apple TV. Oh, Mr. Robot, I'm watching that. That's oh, fucking amaze right now. I don't have much time, but I, I I get through one episode like in twenty minute increments, and I pass out. Uh, season three of Younger, I'm onto that. <laughs> it's embarrassing, but I like it. Glee, I'm kind of out of now. I watched Glee for a minute, and now I'm like, meh. If I don't like the the music they're covering, I just I can't watch it. I know that show's like ten years old, but I I just got on board because it's on Netflix. And um, that's it. All right, guys, that's my life. Have a great week. Email me, that's deepbropodcast at gmail.com. Shop on my Amazon banner, that's deepbropodcast. Wait, that's deepbropodcast.com. That's deepbropodcast at gmail and that's deepbropodcast.com. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, be good. Don't be fucked up. Get your entire life. And let's do this again next week. Now what? I don't know. Philosophize with Yeah, it's Christina P, aka Miss Jeans. This ain't your mom's house. It's a different theme. Gotta be critically thinking. Like you caught up at a cocktail party, our thoughts start to sink in. John Locke. Or was it Socrates? Aristotle or Plato, maybe Hippocrates Got us talking all properly, topically Just a comedian discussing these philosophies Serious questions, silly people What's that? That's deep, bro It is the ultimate metaphor for life And you know what that is? What? That's deep, bro That's deep, bro That's deep, bro